0: Our scripture reading this morning is taken from the letter known as 1 Corinthians, the 11th chapter, beginning with verse 23. St. Paul writes by inspiration. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do, as often as you drink it, in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. These are your words, Heavenly Father. They are your truth. We pray that you would increase our faith through them. Amen. In at least 27 prisons across the United States, there is an area known as the Death Watch area. It is the place where they bring uh, people who are on death row the final hours, probably the last day or so before they are taken to be executed. And there's a special guard assigned to them, sometimes more than one, especially to prevent them from committing suicide. They're given a last meal, Uh, There's usually nothing really special about the meal. That's something Hollywood makes up. And uh, they are allowed only certain visitors, a few family members who are able to come and see them through glass. And they have to cleanse their body and then also put on special clothing to get ready for the next day when they have their execution. And I often wonder, do they get any sleep That night before, when you know exactly the hour in which you're going to die and when you know the very method that's going to be used, is it possible to get any sleep? It's kind of hard to fathom what it's like to be a death row inmate with knowing what's coming for you. On Maundy Thursday night, our Lord Jesus knew full well what was coming for him on Friday morning. By his divine omniscience, he knew the very method by which he would die. He knew the pain that he would feel, how long his death would take, how many stripes would rip open his back, what the nails would feel like. He knew all of that. The weight of this, uh, later after the institution of the Lord's Supper, he goes out to Gethsemane. We're told his sweat was like drops of blood. The full full weight of the torment of hell was what he was going to have to suffer that next next day. And um, to be completely abandoned by God. That's something that no death row inmate would ever know in this life. The three Gospels tell us exactly, however, what he was thinking about the night before. What was on his mind and his heart. And... It was you. It was a member of his church, those who believe and trust in him. That's where his heart was. That's where his mind was. And particularly, he was thinking about the very things that would keep you ready for when you leave this life and your appointment day on judgment day. That's really what the Lord's Supper was established for, to help you stay personally ready for that day notice what paul says as well about when christians celebrate the lord's supper as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup you proclaim the lord's death till he comes every time your congregation celebrates the lord's supper it's as if it's publishing a huge billboard that's put up that says this is what it takes for us to be right with god it takes the very body and blood of his own son being sacrificed in order for me to be redeemed and put back into God's good favor again. That's really what St. Paul is saying. Every time we celebrate the Lord's Supper, it's like publishing that to the world, a confession to the world. Consider what an amazing thing this meal is that Jesus gives to his disciples, the Lord's Supper. Just think of it. He takes the power of his word, the very word that can that can stop a storm the very word that can raise somebody back to the life from the dead he takes the power of his word and miraculously through that word through the mouth of a pastor puts it into the bread and wine and now here is his body and blood for us to come and to eat and to drink so that we can know for sure that our sins are forgiven he conveys to us in this very unique way the blessings of the cross and everything that would happen there for our salvation and he, he could have he could have used vinegar for us to drink he could have used some strange seafood that would have tasted odd but he uses bread and wine things that are good and tasty and and things that would make us think in a positive direction because that's what it's for God's grace is to never leave a bad taste in our mouths It is to be wonderful and sweet and edifying so how does how does jesus through this meal keep you ready for your judgment day appointment well first of all it requires being properly prepared to take this meal it in order to properly take it uh, paul instructs us that we need to take a spiritual inventory of ourselves kind of an eternal internal evaluation. What are the places and ways where I'm straying away from my Savior and his word right now? Paul says, let a man and a woman examine himself before he eats of the bread and drinks of the cup you know in the old testament passover story if you remember the children of israel when they when they were uh, supposed to be ready for the night of deliverance when god's angel of death would come across the land and then pass over those in the house with blood on the door they had to eat it with their sandals on they had to have their their uh, their clothing tucked up so that they could run with their feet they had to have their staff in their hand god wanted them to be prepared and ready for when he comes back in a sense, it's a picture for us as well about the Lord's Supper. When we take the Lord's Supper, this is God's way of preparing our hearts to be ready for, the, uh, for his return, whenever that might be. And it keeps us also relying on, on God's grace. It, it gives you aid and, and comfort in our struggle that, that we fight daily with our battles with sin and the forces of evil in the world. And I love the fact that if you think about how Jesus sets up this sacred feast, it transports you right to the cross. It takes you right from here in 2023 right back to the cross and everything that happened there. A direct line that's been established. His body and blood, the very thing that pays for you to go to heaven someday, is now through his powerful word put into the bread and wine and put on your tongue for you to know and to eat and there's nothing more personal than that, is there, than, than eating something. Sometimes we think about uh, confessional statements like um, the, the formula of Concord, for instance, as that's kind of a theological, um, uh, kind of a very clinical thing and institutional and so on. We shouldn't, but sometimes we can think that way. I want you to listen to a paragraph out of the formula of Concord that puts us into such perfect context for us. And and notice how personal this is. True and worthy communicants are those timid and perturbed Christians, weak in faith, who are heartily terrified because of their many and great sins, who consider themselves unworthy of this noble treasure and the benefits of Christ because of their impurity, and who perceive their weakness in faith, deplore it, and heartily wish that they might serve God with a stronger and more cheerful faith and a purer obedience. This most venerable sacrament, the Lord's Supper, was instituted and ordained primarily for communicants like this. As Christ says, Come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Think about this meal and what Christ teaches us about it, what St. Paul says about it, what it really conveys to us. Just think how much Satan must hate this meal. Just think how much his cohorts can't stand it when you go to God's altar to take this meal. Think how angry they must be when you properly prepare to receive this and then receive this wonderful treasure. Eating the Lord's Supper is like cramming a big fat stick into hell's hornet's nest. That's what it does to the powers of hell. Nothing must stir up the wrath of the devil more than seeing Christians come to the altar of Christ. The demons must be spitting angry when they see congregations celebrating it. And the words of Jesus are so simple. Just trust them. This is my body This is my blood given and shed for you for the forgiveness of your sins. Is it any wonder that this meal has been so viciously attacked from both outside and inside the Christian church through the years? So many people have tried to to diminish and take away what Christ actually teaches and says and what Paul actually teaches and says about this sacred feast. But for you and me right now, it's sort of a dress rehearsal for the heavenly banquet that we will someday eat in our Lord's presence. And Jesus says then, I will eat it in a new way with you in my Father's kingdom. So a day is coming when you and I will no longer need the sacramental aspect of this meal, the fact that it conveys forgiveness of sins to us. We will be eating a much greater feast at the mansion above. Meanwhile, here on earth, with all the struggles we face, go often. Amen.